Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus how Moses was come to years, matured, and separated from the Egyptians and attached himself to the people of God. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. The time in Moses' life was referred to here in Exodus 2.11 when Moses was grown. But this time is referred to in Hebrews 11.24 as Moses was come to years. That word come in Hebrews 11.24 is very interesting because it has the connotation of he has arrived. He has moved to this point now in his life, this fork in the road, these crossroads. And so with that word come, we see Moses now coming to this fork, coming to this crossroads, and it's a crossroads and a fork where Moses must make a choice. Now he is choosing what his identity will be And he stands at that fork in the crossroads. And one road has the sign with an arrow. And that arrow indicates this way leads to the road of suffering affliction with the people of God. This road leads to the way of identifying with the people of God, the Jewish people. This road is the way to being despised and abused by the Egyptian people. This road is the way of being with the people of God, the Jewish people. And most importantly, this road is the way to not only being with the people of God, but this road is the way to being with God. Why? Because in Ezekiel 43, 7, God says, I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. That's what God's saying. I will dwell with the Jewish people forever. In Ezekiel 43, 9, two verses below it, he says, I will dwell in the midst of them forever. In Zechariah 2, 10, speaking of the Jewish people as Zion, it says, Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. In Zechariah 8.3, it says, Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. That's why that sign reads on that road, this is the way to suffering affliction with the people of God, and then also this is the way to be with God. Then there's the other road. There's the other road, and with it, the other sign reads... This way leads to the road of enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season by being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This road is the way of dissociating with the people of God, the Jewish people. This road is the way to being esteemed and pampered as an Egyptian by the Egyptian people. This road is the way to being separated from the people of God, the Jewish people, and to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And most importantly, as it was in the other road, this road is the way to not only being separated from the people of God, but this road is the road that's being separated from God himself. Now, that is what that sign read for that road. And that's the road to enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season by being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, when Moses came to this fork in the road, when Moses came to these crossroads and he saw these two signs, Moses made his choice resolutely, 
firmly, without wavering, he made his choice. And that's what's described to us in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. And this is the description of the choice of the road that he went down. By faith, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And you can see him at that point as he pulls his foot away from that road, which would have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And then it says in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction. And when it says choosing, we can see him then he is taking his step toward the other road, which is to suffer affliction with the people of God and then rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So he looks at the sign. Moses looks at the sign on the roads that said, be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And he said, no, he won't do it. And then he looks at the sign that says, suffer affliction with the people of God and be with God. And Moses says, yes, that's the road for me. Now, if we just take a minute and just put ourselves in Moses' shoes and just look at the situation from an overview. We've seen from Acts 7.23 where it says, and when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren and the children of Israel. From this verse, we understand that Moses has this great concern for the Jewish people. It come into his heart. He wants to free the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt. He wants to relieve them of all the burdens that the Egyptians had put on them. Now, let's look at this situation and ask the question, what was the most expeditious, what was the easiest way for Moses to take? What was the road that he should pursue in order to accomplish these goals? What's his goals? His goals are to free the Jewish people from slavery. His goals is to relieve them from the burdens. That's what's in his heart. Well, he's not just chopped liver. He's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That, and Pharaoh had no son. So that means Moses was slated to be the next Pharaoh. Moses was slated to be king over Egypt. Now, Moses, 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 let's be rational. Let's think about this a little bit, Moses. Moses, can't you just wait? Can't you just be patient? You're 40 years old. Just wait till you rise up into the position of being king over Egypt. Moses, you're going to be more powerful than Joseph in Egypt. Moses, you're going to be Pharaoh. Joseph was under Pharaoh. You're going to be Pharaoh. You're on that track. There's nobody else on that track but you, Moses. And as Pharaoh, Moses, then you can order the freedom for the Jewish people. You can slowly institute changes to the Jewish people. You can stop the slavery by an edict. You can put some of the Jewish people in the government. You can say to the Jewish people, we have a new secretary of treasury today. His name is Bernstein. <laughs> you could say to the Egyptian people, we have a new secretary of defense today. His name is Cohen. And gradually, step by step, the whole situation for the Jewish people could be reversed. And you were on the road to do it. It all could be like that. And then there would not have to have been, Moses, the killing of the Egyptian and all the let my people goes and all the having to make the bricks without the straw and all those plagues. There wouldn't have had to have been the blood and the frogs and the lice and the flies and the anthrax and the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness and the killing of the firstborn. We wouldn't have had to go through all that. And then being chased by the chariots and the whole Red Sea issue. 
it just got all been done more orderly, Moses, and a lot less drama for everybody. Just wait it out, Moses. Just be patient. You're walking right down the middle of the road to becoming the next pharaoh. Don't blow it. You're going to take over the country. Now, why couldn't Moses just have waited? I mean, he was a smart man, Moses. He considered this. And why couldn't he have taken the more sure road to delivering the Jewish people? And it sounds so logical. It's very sure. It's so reasonable. It was pragmatic. It was pragmatic. Uh, if Moses could have just compromised a little bit, it would have been so much easier. The Jewish people would have been delivered smoothly and they're a lot less trouble. Now, that's a road that Moses looked at. But when Moses looked at that road, there was just one problem with that road, just one very simple problem with pursuing that course. It was a personal problem for Moses. It was just too much for Moses to bear because that personal problem that he had was that in order for Moses to have delivered the Jewish people by becoming the next Pharaoh, Moses had to accept being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And Moses could not do that. That was over the top for Moses. That was too much. He couldn't do it. And that's the reason given for why Moses would not be pragmatic, why Moses would not compromise on this point when it says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, 24, by faith, when he was come to years, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was a matter of faith for Moses. Moses knew God is not pragmatic. Moses knew God is righteous. Moses knew that it was not right for him to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses knew that God does not compromise. Moses would have had to compromise to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter in order to pursue that course of reversing the situation for the Jewish people by him being Pharaoh. So by faith, Moses was saying he believed God to be righteous. By faith, Moses was saying he believed that God is not compromising. And so, therefore, he would do the right thing. And he would not compromise by being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So, those statements for Moses to say that he was refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that Moses was saying, I'm a follower of God, the righteous God. I'm a follower of God, the uncompromising God. And as he was doing that, Moses was honoring God as being righteous and uncompromising. And therefore, God honored Moses, as it says in 1 Samuel 2.30, them that honor me, I will honor. That brings out a very important principle for us. You know, Moses had this option, like we described, there was an option, it was a viable option. It was before him. He could have been pragmatic. He could have followed the easier road, a little compromise, being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he would have gotten the end. And so Moses could have said, you know, the end justifies the means, but that's never true with God. The end never justifies the means with God. For God, if the end is right, the means are right. And so Moses said no to the pragmatic way. And he said no to the easy way because he refused to compromise by being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
And when we see in our lives the easy way, the pragmatic way, that involves uh, having to compromise, and we hear the voice inside saying, the ends justify the means, that's the time for us to remember Moses and be encouraged to be like Moses and to refuse to compromise. And all that turmoil from being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, it was going on inside of Moses, no one knew it. That's why Stephen used the word full in Acts 7.23 when he said when he was a full 40 years old. That's why the word brethren in Exodus 2.11 is so important for us to understand because with that one word, brethren, Moses was making his choice to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was saying, these people are my people. He was saying, if they suffer affliction, then I want to suffer affliction with them. And by the way, that one word, brethren, where he says he goes out to visit his brethren, and later on it says that he spies an Egyptian, smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren, 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 used twice that word, brethren, brethren. That's the word that the writer of the book of Hebrews and Stephen pick up on. They study, they see it, they notice it, they grab it, they pick up on it, and they understand from that word that he was refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter with that. You know, that shows us a principle in the scriptures, and we're going to see this more and more as we go on. And that is that, you know, we're going to come to a place where it's going to say, and Moses slew the Egyptian. Oh, you know, what? He slew the Egyptian? I'm kind of interested in that. That's all it says. It says he slew the Egyptian. Well, of course, we want to know details, details, details. What do you mean he slew the Egyptian? What was, how did, how did he approach him? What was the struggle like? Who hit who? Where was the blood? How did he kill him? What did he use? I mean, all these kind of details, details. And you know what God says? Not important. He slew the Egyptian. It shows that every word that was chosen, just like the Lord Jesus Christ, man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word, that term, every word is put there for a purpose and other words are not put there for a purpose so that God would have us to grab those words and ask those questions. What does that mean? What's the meaning behind those words? And that's what we see here as a principle. So the word is very important, brethren. And he was saying by using that word brethren that these are my people. If they suffer affliction, then I want to suffer affliction with them. That's just a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as he is described in Isaiah 63, 7 through 9, where it says, I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord. Subject, loving kindnesses. And the praises of the Lord. Subject, the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us. Of course, he's referring to the Jewish people. And the great goodness toward the house of Israel. Subject, the great goodness of the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies. Subject, mercies. And according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, Surely they are my people. Now, when they decided to put the name over his cross, the king of the Jews, he said, yes, yes, put it up there. This was the people who were saying, crucify him. This was the people who were despising him, rejecting him. And this is what it means when it says, surely they are my people. He never cast them off, even in their rejection of him. He never cast them off. In fact, it says here, surely they are my people. And he says, and so he was their savior. And this is very important. In all their affliction, 
he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them, and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. That's who the Lord Jesus Christ is. And especially the phrase, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. That's why it says in Isaiah 53, 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Why did he bear our griefs? Why did he carry our sorrows? Because in all our affliction, he was afflicted. It says in Isaiah 53, 5 through 6, in all our affliction, he was afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. Just as Moses decided to step down from the glory and the power of Egypt, that was his in order, he stepped down from that, in order to suffer affliction with the people of God. So the Lord Jesus Christ decided to step down from his glory, step down from his power. And he did that so that in all their affliction, he could be afflicted. He wanted to be afflicted with their affliction. And just as Moses called the Jewish people his brethren, so it says about the Lord Jesus Christ in Hebrews 2.17, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. So even though Moses was raised an Egyptian, he decided to identify 100% with the Jewish people. Legally, formally, Moses had become the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses had become an Egyptian. But inwardly, Moses saw himself as the son of another woman, a Jewish woman. He identified with the people of God, the Jewish people. Now, it says in verse 11 that Moses had a goal. And when he went out unto his brethren, It says in verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, and he went out unto his brethren, he looked on their burdens. When Moses went out of the palace to his brethren, he had one goal. He wanted to look on their burdens. He wanted to look on their afflictions. He wanted to look on their sufferings. Now, why did Moses want to look on the afflictions and sufferings of the Jewish people? Because Moses wanted to feel their afflictions and their sufferings. Moses was living in the lap of luxury in the palace in Egypt. He had no firsthand experience of the sufferings and afflictions of the Jewish people, but he wanted to suffer affliction with the people of God. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He left heaven. He came to earth so that he could know our sufferings. He came to know our griefs and our sorrows. As it says in Isaiah 53, 3, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It says in Hebrews 4, 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. The Lord Jesus Christ did not come just to know our afflictions, our griefs, our sorrows. He came to deliver us 
from our sufferings, griefs, and sorrows by being, as it says in Isaiah 53, 5, being wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's the difference. That's the difference between the Lord Jesus Christ not only suffering with us, but he suffered for us. Now, we come to verse 11b and 12 in Exodus 2, and it says, as we read that, he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian, hit him in the sand. Now, that was what we already saw. Moses had this in his heart to deliver the Jewish people from the Egyptians who were afflicting his people. And so he sees this Egyptian beating a Hebrew, and he sees this Hebrew, not just as a Hebrew, but it says one of his brethren. There's the strong identification that Moses has. And Moses saw this Hebrew He strongly identifies with him. He felt as if this Egyptian was beating him. And Moses saw his opportunity. Moses knew in his heart that his calling was to deliver the Jewish people. And he knew that he was going to do it by beating back the Egyptians who were afflicting them. So when it says that Moses went out there, it says he looked this way and he looked that way. And when he saw there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So when it says that Moses looked this way and that way, the problem is that Moses didn't look the other way because the other way he was being watched and Moses didn't know it. And so it says simply, as we mentioned here, Moses slew the Egyptian. We don't know how he killed the Egyptian. It's not important. What's important is what's here. We don't know the details. It's not important. But then Moses buries the Egyptian in the sand. And when Moses killed that Egyptian, Moses made his decision, the decision of by faith. He, that was the decision he made to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And that killing pretty much sealed his decision that he chose. He sealed his choice to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Isn't it interesting that when the Bible describes Moses' lifetime, had he taken that road, had he taken that road, that was to enjoy the pleasures of sin that is described for a season. That's what Moses' lifetime is described as, a season, just a short season, a summer, a winter, a fall, a spring, a season. And that's the way our lives are. It's just a season. It's just a short period of time, very short. And so God says, don't make a decision to enjoy something so temporarily as for a season. Another season's coming. And that'll be all different. So that's very interesting when it says that he said no to enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. Then he he makes the decision he does. So by killing this Egyptian, Moses seals his decision. And by his decision, he's not an Egyptian. He said, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm with the people of God. Now, the reason Moses made the decision is because Moses saw greater riches, as it says in Hebrews 11, in the reproach of Christ than all the treasures of Egypt. When Moses killed the Egyptian, he joined himself. He joined himself, or he put himself, let me put it this way, he put himself under the reproach of the Jewish people. The Egyptians had a reproach for the Jewish people. They despised them and so forth. And so Moses put himself under, under the reproach of the Jewish people. It's interesting that the reproach of the Jewish people in Hebrews 11 is called the reproach of Christ. Why should the reproach of the Jewish people be called the reproach of Christ? 
because as we've seen already, the Lord Jesus Christ dwelt in the midst of the Jewish people in Egypt. When Paul was persecuting the church, he was going, he had letters from the high priest, he was taking Christians and doing terrible things to them and causing them to be put in prison and so forth. He was really persecuting the church. And when on the road to Damascus, the Lord Jesus Christ stopped him dead in his tracks and confronted him. It's interesting what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Acts 9-4. It describes Paul as he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, was his name before it was changed to Paul. Why persecutest thou me? Why persecutest thou me? Paul was persecuting the church. So why did the Lord Jesus Christ say to Paul that he was persecuting him? Because the church is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the church was persecuted, the Lord Jesus Christ feels it as his own persecution. In the same way, the reproach of the Jewish people in Egypt was the reproach of Christ. He felt it. And that's why it says that it was the reproach of Christ. Well, that's as far as we'll come today. Next time, we're going to look at the response of the Jewish people to Moses, or to, let's put it this way, to Moses as the God sent deliverer. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being the God of Moses for being the God that we've studied about today, the God who is faithful, the God who suffers with in order to suffer for. Lord, help us to worship you and love you more, Lord Jesus, because of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Now, would you like to be like Moses and lead a Jewish person out of bondage in Egypt? Well, you can by giving a lost Jewish person that you know a free Tom Cantor testimony DVD and booklet. Call us today at the Friendship with God radio program, 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051.